I never thought I'd be standing here, but my city needed me. He's charismatic, open-minded, independent. You're all in on this guy? I'm very open to the idea of a robot police force. Thank you for reminding me. R.P. Meskimen is pretty worked up about the coyote population. She thinks we should pay for their birth control. I've got your number, Brenna. You're not gonna last two months. She's scary. What's your beef with me? You don't know what you're doing. You want to know the real reason I ran for mayor? My daughter thinks I'm a useless old man. You ran for mayor to impress your daughter? She must be over the moon. I hate that we had to move into this gross old mayor house! Your wife makes a great point, sir. She's my teenage daughter. Sorry, it is very confusing in L.A. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. It's real cash that never expires or loses value. Apply for Apple Card in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Daily cash is available via Apple Cash Card issued by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, or as a statement credit. Terms and more at applecard.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. TV Concierge, The Ringer's Guide to the Vast Streaming Landscape. We're here to help you figure out what to watch, catch up on the latest phenomena, and just really talk television. To do so, I'm Juliette Littman. I host a television podcast called Bachelor Party about reality TV, really about Bachelor. And I'm joined by my compatriot, Chris Ryan, who is a TV maestro, co-host of The Watch. Chris, hello. I play the orchestra. (laughs) The orchestra that is television. Today, we are not discussing one television show. We are doing the streaming power rankings for the month of January. Today is February 1st. We have 31 days to consider. What a 31 days it was. So much happened. More cable news than I would have liked. Shout out to Abby Phillip, my favorite CNN anchor. (laughs) Who's your favorite cable news anchor, Chris? That's a great question. Um, There's no competition for me. I was not familiar with any of these people until November 3rd, 2020. Panelist or host? I think it could be any cable news personality. I've been watching a lot of CNBC now. So like I have a, <laughs> okay. a CNBC and Robin Hood. <laughs> so I've been getting really into like the various people that they bring on because they, they have like, they have no television training. They just start screaming at each other. It's so, mm-hmm. it's so good. It's so raw. That sounds really great. Like something, if you're missing the shouting of the Trump era, go ahead straight to CNBC. That's right. <laughs> anyway, we're here to discuss the top five streaming networks for the month of January. And I made the list and Chris is going to comment on it. We're going to count down from five to one. I just want to share some of my methodology in doing this. And and kind of like the central question for me was if you have a set budget, which most living people do, and you could only get three to five streaming networks per month, which are the three to five that we would say you should have. And so that's kind of like what's guiding this list here. Of course, it takes into account new releases each month and also like the totality of the back catalog. I think, you know, we're really TV people, but of course you have to factor movies into this. Chris is also a movie yeah, person. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah, but you do, right? Like, Chris, if you're just recommending one service based on the movie catalog, like, what do you recommend? 
Well, I, if I if I was somebody who cared about new movies, I would get HBO Max because mm-hmm. they're the only streaming network that's committed to releasing day and date on the service. And so this past weekend, we had little things which starred Denzel Washington and Rami Malek and, and too Jared scary Leto. for me. How was yeah, that? but like that is it was not good, but it was definitely <laughs> like on Friday night. I could just tell that like my entire timeline was watching little things. Right. And that's a big piece of it, right? Like, what are other people watching? And how do you participate in that conversation? Do you want to participate in that conversation? We, we try to explicate and excavate some of that on this pod, hopefully to some success. But I think that's kind of like what you think about or what I've been thinking about as I've been making this ranking. I just want to note, Netflix is also trying to be in the movie game. It's just because they are not... Uh, they never had a relationship to the theaters. Oh, they, well, that's not completely true, but they had a much weaker relationship to theaters with their movies. But Netflix is doing one new movie a week for all of 2020. That was like their big, big yeah, ad campaign a, in, or 2021. A, a Carrie Mulligan Ray Fiennes movie came out on Friday. <laughs> so why like, that just like, happened. No one's talking about it, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that might be because it's about British archaeology, but I still know. The nobody, Dig? Yeah. The Dig was on my home screen on Netflix and I just couldn't pull the trigger. I just just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. All right. Without further ado, shall we get into it? Yeah. Number five, Amazon Prime. I did not think it was a good month for Amazon Prime. Probably their biggest releases of the month were One Night in Miami, which is significant. We'll talk about it in a second. That's a movie. And Flack, which I plan to watch, but there's not been enough momentum for me to do so yet. And so I just thought it wasn't really a strong month for them. So that's the Anna Paquin show, right? That's the Anna Paquin show about being a publicist. It has what, my name written all over it. What was the name of the lady, Lizzie something, who ran someone over in the Hamptons? <laughs> the infamous Lizzie Grubman. That's still right. Still alive. Not in jail, I don't think. Um, and yes, yeah, she she uh, ran someone over outside a club in the Hamptons. That was about 2005, six. It was a really a peak time for celebrity culture. What a time um, to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive. One Night in Miami is on Amazon Prime and it is Regina King's directorial debut capturing One Night in Miami with the famous and formerly uh, famous in real people, Malcolm X, Jim Brown and Cassius Clay before he became Muhammad Ali. One of and our Sam favorite actors. Yeah. And Sam Cooke, excuse right. me. One of our Which, favorite actors in this movie. Leslie Odom or Kingsley Kingsley, Kingsley Vanadier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Odom as well. And then my personal fave is Aldous Hodges because he was on Leverage, which was a TBS show that I watched in the previous decade. I love that guy. He's on uh, City on a Hill now, too. Oh, right. I love him. He's like super underrated. But um, I think this movie will have a long life. But again, like it's a it's a building up to the Oscars, which is not until April. I'm saving all of my Oscar movies this year. I can't keep it straight about when this stuff is getting released. I feel like people have been talking about Nomadland for like three and a half months. It's still not out on streaming. I'm just going to like put together my own film festival and, and jam out all these Oscar movies at once. That sounds fun. Yeah. So I have stuff yeah. to look forward to. Amazon, you know, we covered um, the wilds on TV concierge back in the beginning I finished of January. that by the way. Yeah. Good twist, right? At the end. Amazing twist. And I just, if you got, if anybody's looking for a elevated network show right now, like watch the wilds. It is a, a it's super great. entertaining. Yeah. It's funny you say that because over the weekend, I did a lot of reading because I was like, wow, I've watched everything. And um, I was just thinking like, oh, I really wish I had more of the wilds to watch. Like, I wish I hadn't watched it because I think that's the best thing to be on Prime in a while. That came out in December and I think it's really a December show. It's why I don't have it on, on this list, but it is still available on Prime. So check it out. But nonetheless, so many streaming shows too really only get one shot and they clearly made the wilds knowing it was going to be multiple seasons. I mean, the, the end has such a huge twist that if it wasn't coming back, it would be 
so infuriating. You know, the yeah. show is a clear descendant of Lost and the season finale twist is is um, on the same level, I would say. All right, let's move on. Number four. I think this might be controversial. I'm curious to hear what you think. HBO Max coming in at number four. We happen well, to love HBO Max, but here's, yeah. here's what they had in January. Lockdown. The Euphoria bonus episode. Astonishing. Loved them. Was it good? Yeah, love both of them. Okay. Search Party, which I never watched, but like I'm wondering if I should get into it. I personally think it's having a rough fourth season. I never really cared for Alia Shockett. I'm sorry. I love Arrested Development. She was like, maybe it was my least favorite part of the show. That would probably be a barrier to entry with Search Party. <laughs> There's a lot of her. It's just become very, very, very out there. Like, I think it started out and it was kind of like this extension of like hipster serial podcast, like, you know, message board investigations and like what happens if that takes over your real life and that kind of obsession. And now it's just become like three or four different things at once and they don't really seem to be in agreement with one another. I remember when it was on TBS, I was like, oh, intro- I think it was TBS, which by the way, yeah. like even the thought of like tuning into TBS, which I did regularly for quite a while in my life seems like so weird. Like who would sit down for a TBS show at like 10 p.m. on a Thursday? Nobody supports cable channels that are in the 40s and 50s on the channel guide like you do. <laughs> TBS, USA, you're there. From like 2008 to 2014, USA was definitely the most important channel in my, in my TV Rolodex, in my lineup. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm really not. I owned Leverage, the aforementioned, on DVD. I still have it somewhere. And like White Collar was like definitely my favorite show. So, whatever. <laughs> anyway. So HBO um, Max, they had a couple of releases, but what, what is the thing that you think is controversial about this pick? That it, it like overall has a great catalog because it has the HBO catalog. And um, like many other streaming networks this month, picked up some like exclusives like there's this month really marked a lot of shows move not a lot but some big shows moving off of netflix onto sort of like their home mothership and for hbo max that's gossip girl um in advance of the gossip girl reboot which is coming probably i guess i would guess in the summer um but i i think like in general i would recommend hbo max it does have a great catalog it also i believe it has the oc like it just has a lot of great stuff and then it has every hbo show like I, I watched a succession pilot recently. I was just like, why not? I was going to say, I, I am anticipating a Sex and the City revival coming because they, they're obviously going to do another season of that. But I wonder whether or not you'll start seeing people be like, I'm, I'm doing a Sex and the City rewatch. Now, I don't know if it necessarily plays as well now as it did back when it was on, but I could imagine like, I could imagine more memes coming out about that, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that also um, with like, City Life Dead End shows about city life have a, a different kind of appeal because it's right. really nostalgic. Like, did you happen to watch the Fran Lebowitz show on of course. Netflix? Pretended City, yeah. Pretended City, directed by Martin Scorsese. We'll come back to it in a minute. But that had a real bittersweet quality of like, God, like the type of city she's talking about not only doesn't exist because of like gentrification, but like because of the pandemic. We and should it was make really a hard to watch. You and I should make a pretend it's a city, but like it's set in Scottsdale. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing would be different. <laughs> we're in Florida where I heard everything's open. There's yeah, no rules. That's right. Um, pretend, I, pretend it's a city Tallahassee. Yeah. With a network like HBO max, like would you ever consider just like cutting that service for a month and coming back to it when like you let stuff accumulate? I'm, I'm not good at like playing the margins like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I think that I, I just signed up for these things. I consider it somewhat of a professional obligation to kind of be aware of what's on these services. Sure. Of course. So I, I, I think I'm too lazy to like 
get out. Like I always, I, I noticed that like, I think that conversation happened around Game of Thrones. Like, ooh, I'm going to like unsubscribe from HBO until Game of Thrones comes back. It's like HBO typically has something decent and worth watching on all year long. Yeah. And, and particularly now, I mean, when you do go through the shows that they have available to you, it's like pretty astounding. But there was just nothing. There wasn't like a big... I think it's worth noting in, that this has been January. the longest I feel like I have gone... HBO has gone without a Sunday night like cornerstone show because around this time last year... Are you including year, the undoing in that? Well, yeah, I am. I mean, I think because around this time last year, they, I think Outsider had just started right mm-hmm. around the end of January or February because I think Andy and I were talking about it before lockdown happened. So it must have been sometime in February. Kaya would probably know actually better than I would. But all I'm saying is that it's weird that there's not like a Sunday night show on HBO right now. But that just is, that speaks to the the kind of glut in the pipeline right now. It's like a little bit backed up. Yeah, because of the pandemic. And I mm-hmm. will say, I actually like really felt that over the weekend for me, there was nothing really that I needed to catch up on. And also like no appointment viewing last night and no football on. So I was just like, there's really nothing but books. Me yeah. and the printed word. Um, all right, let's move on to number three. Peacock. Interesting. Can't overlook Peacock. I think we just have to reckon with the fact that the most popular television show right now is probably The Office. People sure. fucking love The Office. And that, as of January 1st, moved to Peacock. And there's some bonuses and some extras. And if you go to Peacock, you also get Parks and Rec and all the other NBC shows. So I'm and currently then, watching Mr. Mayor on Peacock every week. Oh, my God. I'm really excited about it. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I really am excited because I love Ted Danson. How is it? The last two episodes have been really, really good. So the oh first God, two, I think so they're kind of like feeling it out. And now the last two have been kind of like LA 30 Rock. Wow. Oh my yeah. God. I'm really excited. Because I I saw the billboard for it when I was in LA in December. And I was like, huh, that looks good. I'm going to give that a shot. So that's thrilling to hear. Yeah. Holly Hunter plays like an, a progressive like um, city council person or like she she works in the mayor's office and she's always trying to like save beehives and stuff like that. And she's, she's fantastic on it. Bobby Moynihan's really funny on it. It's, it's a really good ensemble. That's awesome. I'm really excited to watch it. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Thank you so much, Chris. You're I just, welcome. I think that the other piece about Peacock is that like during these quote uncertain times, close quote, the like lighthearted sitcom fair just like really is easy to watch and very comforting and pleasant. And so like for right now, I would definitely recommend spending your money on Peacock because they just have a lot of that to offer. Yeah, definitely. I they they have that that NBC library is is really really huge. Although they won't have Seinfeld, right? Because that's on Hulu for a few years. Hulu and, didn't make and, the and Friends is on, and Friends is on HBO Max because right. it's Warner. Yeah, right. Uh, I also just want to say they have like some pretty good movies on Peacock. They starting January first, like just for my personal interest. Like I saw that they had um, quite a few rom coms, including like definitely maybe they have the holiday. They just have like a bunch of movies i was like okay cool and i do think that like in a in a downtime and you're there's like no show you're dying for like a comfort movie is very appealing to me yeah it's pretty i have now started if like i'm in the mood for a kind of movie so like Mm -hmm. let's say like a john grisham courtroom thriller or something like that you just google like movies like the firm then you get like inspired like oh i'm gonna watch this one and then you click on that and then you can find it's like is it on peacock is it on hbo max is it free on prime like it's become like the new way i kind of watch movies rather than like renting them from itunes or something yeah yeah totally i also like i feel like i rely on the recommendations after i finish something a lot more than i used to 
Yeah, Have yeah. you used the Netflix function where you just play something random? No, I haven't done that yet. Just because Netflix has a lot of so crap. So much crap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and on that note, number two for the month of January, Netflix. Wow. Okay. So I would just... do. You, would you go into this assuming Netflix is number one? Every, like starts out at number one every month just because of the sheer amount that they give you? They've got a lot of hits. Yeah. So... Bridgerton has been watched by 82 million households watched, meaning like at least one user on the account has played two minutes of one episode. I think that's what it, what it is. Um, that's a lot. Even if they only watch two minutes, like that's a lot, a lot, a lot. They're still it's, engaging with Bridgerton, right? Yes. Bridgerton came out on Christmas Day and it's like still, still going. Also would say it's a real win for Netflix because I think unlike Stranger Things, I think that like Reggae Jean Page is famous now. I don't think the rest of the cast is particularly famous. I think Bridgerton itself is like a phenomenon, but I don't think the actors are like, you know, swatting I don't, out Yeah, like the girl from Dairy Girls hasn't quite popped yet, but I feel like maybe next She's season on the way. she will. Yeah. Well, yeah. They've said season two is going to be about the oldest brother, Anthony, which is how the books go as well. But they clearly set it up to like be a world that can be explored. And that was smart. And so I just think it's like a really big win for them. Yeah. Um, and they have production coming back later. I in also think it's like important for them on, on like an inside baseball level is I don't know that I would say that, that the Ryan Murphy shows have really like no. grabbed the attention of the population. It definitely seems like first at bat Shonda kind of knocked it out of the park. Totally. And it's not even the show she's most, she herself is most deeply involved in. That's the right. Delvey show coming later this year. And before that, good news, they were able to share that Lupin, the French show, was off to a faster start than even the Queen's Gambit, which is 85 million viewers. Right. And I had a great time watching Lupin. What about Lu- you? I, I like, I think I faded a little bit on Lupin, like after a couple of episodes, but I will say I am really energized by the rollout of Lupin, which is like mm-hmm. five episodes, six month break, five episodes. Like that's like, I want to see more of these networks do more creative things with the way they roll out shows. Like, and you know, Andy and I have been talking a lot about this on the watch about how we hope shows in the future take advantage of the fact that they are not confined by like expectations of a network and can do things like here's a 25 minute special. Here's a three episode arc that goes up at once. You know, like I want more stuff like that. Like like the Euphoria specials is a really good example. Like that was those were born out of the fact that they couldn't shoot season two the way they wanted to. So they decided to make these two largely like two-hander episodes where it's like one character talking to another for the entire episode and they're dynamite. Like I just I think it really deepened my appreciation for that show. I hope hope more shows take chances like that. I feel like I would like that more than the show itself. I should check it out. Yeah. Um I also, uh, I just found like the Parisian setting really exciting. And I will say this kind of is a gateway. If you liked it, there's a, actually a lot of good French television on Netflix. Call My yeah. Agent season four came out. I think there's a little bit of a Call My Agent buzz happening. Though at least there is among our colleagues. Um, and I, I thought it was just kind of like, you know, I watch a lot of British television. I know that you do as well. It's obviously a big part of Amazon and Netflix in particular. Uh, but like there's also, there's just a lot of other television you could be watching. And I think that just opens that up. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's the wanderlust aspect of it. Like you get to sort of vicariously travel to these other places and, and just experience Paris in a way that you won't be able to for a while. But I would also say that when it comes to some of these TV shows from other countries like France, like some of the Scandinavian shows and England, you're basically seeing like an elevated version of American television that American TV has struggled to make because a lot of like the 
brain drain from the networks and everybody going to streamers means that you're just not getting like a really solid mystery or a really solid kind of romantic workplace dramedy like the way Call My Agent does. Like, I don't, there's no reason why there isn't like a network version of Call My Agent. Like, totally. that, it seems like the biggest no-brainer. And I, I don't know whether it's entourage fatigue or something, but I think it's a, it's a great, great show and it's such a great idea for a show and they could knock those out and like, tell me why you can't have like Angelina Jolie on the, the American version of Call My Agent. Like, that would just be so good. This is my only note about that, which is that American agencies are so much bigger and like shittier. Like they sure. just are like, they are like little machines. Like in LA, the CAA building is like called the Death Star. And yeah, in, the call my agent agency is like on the second it's a floor. Small boutique. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. like totally. It's like unassuming. above a Chinese takeout. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like in some random business arrondissement of Paris. And so that I think is why, but, but your point is well taken. It's ultimately like a workplace comedy. Right. And I love that. So let's get more of it. But I think identify like some other kind of like, even if it was about like a sports agency because it was actually tend to be smaller. Like that would be interesting too. Um, Netflix also had Cobra Kai this month, which I, you know, is very popular with men. I'm not one, <laughs> but I've heard that. Um, and you know, Netflix is like just a pole position every month. But ultimately I felt the most important streaming network to have in the month of January was Disney+. Plus. And I come to this as someone who's never, who has not seen a Marvel movie in about 10 years, but I really love WandaVision and now want to ingest as much Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany media as I possibly can. And this is like an, a revelation for me. 10 year anniversary of Margin Call. Love that movie. <laughs> Shout out to Bettany's accent in that movie. Yeah. Uh, this is the beginning of the end for all of us because there will not be more than two weeks without new Marvel or Star Wars content on Disney Plus for the rest of the year, I think. And that is a game changer. The idea that essentially they are taking over the appointment viewing, you have to watch this as soon as it's up. The thing that I do not understand, and the only demerit I will put on Disney Plus, is why they are releasing these things at Thursday at midnight. I yeah. don't have like, an, there is no good explanation for why these don't either drop Thursday at eight or Friday night. Like the the weird thing where you're like, I get up in the morning on Friday and have to like avoid finding out Mandalorian or WandaVision spoilers until I am done work. I guess that's my own like cross to bear. And like I should just not be a social media addict, but I don't understand why they don't have like the same way HBO Max or you know, they'll drop episodes. Like, let's get back to dropping episodes at night, is all I'm saying. Also, what's wrong with the Saturday night drop? Because then you sure. really own Saturdays and Sundays. And it's like, do, do you have any to... Saturday night plans? <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't make me feel bad. I read an entire book on Saturday because I didn't have anything to do. <laughs> I didn't do anything on Saturday. <laughs> um, I think also, you know, I I have seen some Marvel movies, but really not for a while. It just became like too unwieldy for me. And I was like, I don't really feel like having to be a part of this. So I right. kind of dropped out. I had no problem with it. And like, I... I like that people have something to be passionate about. And it's like cool when there's a monoculture, especially when you cover culture. But what I find so exciting about WandaVision is it's really smart television. Like there's just a lot to parse. And also I, I'm astonished at what a good actress Elizabeth Olsen is. Like that's on me for not knowing sooner, but I'm like really surprised. She's do, do really better. good. Do better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's also a great time to get in because yeah. they've obviously closed the chapter of that ends with Endgame, And I feel like, weirdly like this is a perfect you're a perfect example of i didn't know that there were any more people out there that could be converted to marvel fandom but <laughs> this is actually like a pretty decent time to do it because that whole 10 year run 
from Iron Man to Endgame has kind of completed. And yes, they'll make references to it. And there will be, obviously, WandaVision has a lot to do with what happened in Infinity War and Endgame. But Which I didn't know while I was yeah. watching the show. And then I but, read about it on the radio. But obviously, that's not like didn't that matter. big of a deal. Yeah. yeah, it didn't matter. And I will right. say, it's actually kind of fun. Like, um, one of our colleagues, Daniel Chan, is writing kind of explainers about WandaVision that go up after the episode comes out and you don't need much more. Like just find your source, find, find your shaman and like go, like you don't need to go back and watch all the movies. It's almost like I have to say, I find the creativity of the show and like it's investment in television as a, as a medium. So invigorating that I actually don't want to watch the movies. So I'm sort of like, I'm more interested in what this is a commentary on as it relates to television and like the adaptation of like movie IP and TV IP. And there's just a lot there, but it's also just like a really entertaining show with great actors. I love Randall Park. I was thrilled to see him. I did not know he was part of the MCU. You're in the pocket of Big Chapek. Big, <laughs> big Chapek and Big Iger. Let me ask you one question before we go. Okay. I know, I know I've never met anybody who loves Hulu more than you. <laughs> uh, I'm I've really been using, glad you brought that up because I want to tell you about my Hulu Watch of the Week. I've been using Hulu to watch a bunch of things. I actually uh, have been watching old Mary, Mary Tyler Moore episodes. I had never oh, seen nice. them before. And I find it very, very soothing. Yeah, it's really, really good. Mary Tyler Moore is probably like, I know she's really like admired and beloved. She's still underrated. She is incredibly talented. And then the cast of characters around her is so, so moving and charming. I actually feel emotional thinking about it. And I die for Rhoda. Maybe we should do a special Mary Tyler Moore, like top 10 episodes once I've Uh. watched more. I'd love to. And if you've ever been like a, a young woman who just moves somewhere on a whim, like hoping that your job will, will fill enough time to like figure everything else out. Like the opening credits are just like so incredibly moving and it's just great. I don't know. It's just a great show. <laughs> but you don't have, so Hulu, I don't think has released anything particularly new this month. So when we do this again, let's say in a month or whatever, will you be using the criteria is time spent on app or new content that caught your eye? I think What's, it's time spent. How do you wait, sort of, wait? I think it's time spent. I will say I watched the Yotam Adelengi show on, uh-huh. on Hulu, which was delightful, but just sort of like not something I could consciously like, like urge someone to go out and watch. Like I love Adelengi and I long for atten- uh, for going to an Adelengi sometime soon, but I can't really be like, Chris, cancel your plans and stay home to watch this. Similarly, like Vanderpump Rules season eight just hit Hulu, which is exciting, yeah. but it was not even a great season. So I don't know. Like I, I love Hulu and there's a, there's a lot to like about it, but I just didn't think January was its month. I would recommend you check out uh, the the sister, which is also mm. new on Hulu. It stars Russell Tovey, and uh, you and I love a trashy British mystery. I think we both Absolutely. enjoyed this. The, Harlan Coben's The Stranger. <laughs> uh, it has some of those vibes, but it, it, it's uh, it's like kind of a supernatural murder mystery. Well, I'll check it out. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Hope this is helpful. If you want to catch up on ATV, now you have our recommendations. We'll be back later in the week, and of course, this will happen again the end of February. Thanks for listening and check out the watch and bachelor party. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.